just the fact that there are, in this case, I don't know, 100 people here, or if you're in a stage of 30 or 1,000 or 10,000, all the attention is focused on you, and just simply due to the attention structure, yes. uh, you rise in step. Do people underestimate status, and what's a good way for people to understand status from us, from your evolutionary psychologist standpoint? That's an interesting and complicated yeah. question, but um, uh, short answer is we, we evolved in small groups, and all groups have status hierarchies. It's something that people size each other up. I mean, as early as three years old, you get a very brief interaction, and people immediately size each other in terms of status. So. All groups have status hierarchies, despite some ideologies that try to create systems that have no status, never works. Right. And from an evolutionary perspective, reproductively relevant resources always accrue to those who are higher in status. So what's an example, like a practical example? Uh, uh, um, Mating. Uh, Desirable mates, uh, or if you're into short-term mating, more numerous mates uh, accrue to people who are higher in status. So a guy like Justin Bieber is like high status, or or Drake, let's take. So you're saying he has more access to girls that would want to date him. Uh, Absolutely, and it's more than that. So that's one example, but also healthcare, desirable goods, desirable allies. So the higher you are in status, you become a... It's like in the mating game, just why people are attracted to high mate value, attractive people. They also want to be friends and allies with people who are high in status because there are what economists call externalities, positive externalities flow to allies of the high status people. So what he's saying is for your business, everybody here knows the power of networking, right? For example, I met Alex Mayer, and it's been a very powerful uh, Actually, how you call it, an alliance between two allies. MentorBox makes almost a million bucks a month, and I do total work of maybe an hour a month. And I own 50% of the company, or a little less. We have 2% to investors, but I own 48-plus percent. And I do no work. So how did I get Alex as an ally? I was speaking at a conference. We were both on stage. Stage is like a powerful status symbol. Yes. You know, you go and you watch somebody, and all of a sudden, if somebody's on stage, so a little practical. I want to give you some philosophical stuff today in this talk, but also here's a one practical. So write this down. Number one practical tip try to start speaking at conferences and seminars, no matter how small they are. Get up on a stage, and a simple way to do that is Google local stuff if you're in a big city, and literally reach out either through direct message, email, um, and say, hey, I'll promote, I'd love to speak at your conference. Here's what, have a real little short speech you can give, 15 minutes. I'd love to speak at your conference, and I'll promote it to my whole email list and all my followers. Because then if it's a small conference, they're like, ooh, maybe we'll sell some tickets. Even if you have to speak in a small side room and not on the main stage, Then what happens is over time, as you speak at more conferences, you can contact the next conference and say, hey, I've I've spoken at blank, blank, blank. So your status goes up at at those conferences. 
the other people on stage, you have the speaker badge, those become your ally. Would you say that's an example of status in yeah, business? Yeah, yes, absolutely, because, um, I mean, w- one of the things that you allude to is, is what's called the attention structure. And the high-status people are those to whom the most people pay the most attention. Yes. And so just the fact that there are, uh, in this case, I don't know, 100 people here, or if you're in a stage of 30 or 1,000 or 10,000, all the attention is focused on you, and just simply due to the attention structure, yes. uh, you rise in status. I'll tell you a, a one interesting, a funny anecdote about that. This is also true in chimpanzees, the attention structure. And once there was this, um, this true story, there was this funny-looking chimpanzee who everyone kind of stared at, not because they were high in status, but because they were funny-looking. Okay. And this chimp, it was a male chimp, rose in status simply because everyone was paying attention to so him. So he's just weird-looking. He was just weird-looking. Now, I'm not recommending that as a way to gain status. They call that in nightclubs, guys do peacocking. There's like, uh, you know, if you, if you read books by pickup artists, they're like, go and wear a crate. I had a friend, no joke, he used to wear glasses that blinked all the way. They had lights. Herman. You guys know Dr. Fresco? He's a PhD. And I, we go to a nightclub, and he, right when I was in, on Hollywood Boulevard, we walk in, and he puts these guys, and I'm like, what? He's like 30 years old at the time. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, girls notice me when I wear these. I'm like, yeah, but not always for the right reasons. They're like, who's that 30-year-old man with little kid glasses on? But, but there's something. So here's a second practical tip on that, how to grow in status and get attention that you can then use to grow your business, very important. I think once a month, everybody here should have an event at your house. So there's a guy um, in LA, what's his name, Maya, that does the networking book? Uh, I'll remember his name in a second, but he has a really good idea. Every Friday, you don't have to do this every Friday, but he does it every Friday. He invites 12 people to his dinner table and they just meet and it can be Business people, it can be, you know, anybody, lawyers, friends. It's just people that he wants to connect with that he also knows will connect him with other people. And when you do an event at your house, you always get more attention. Interesting thing about Hugh Hefner, who died. This is somebody I really wanted to meet Hugh Hefner uh, before he died. I had a lot of questions for this guy. Not about girls, but about, he was more interesting than people realize. I think I'm scratching here. Anyway, he said he never went to other people's parties. Zero. He had a policy. You invite him to a party? No, thank you. But you can come to mine. And he knew that, that whoever house that it's at, even if you don't have a nice house, when I started out doing this, it really got me started in many ways as an entrepreneur. In Raleigh, North Carolina, I had, a con- I had an apartment. It was two bed. It was, you know, this is my upstairs bedroom here. This is like two, 2,500 square feet. It was smaller than my bathroom. It was like the size of my bathroom. But I would invite people over. We'd watch sports, UFC thing. That led to nightclubs. Nightclubs led to all the other stuff. So opening up your house once a month. If you're a shy person, start by inviting your friends that you already know and tell them to bring a friend. It can be teeny, 10 people. But I'm telling you, the person who does it, my goal is one year from today. What is today? December something, second? Next December 2nd, you, go, you come up to me next time I see you and be like, that changed the whole game, doing 12 dinky things at my house or huge things. It's really simple, and it puts the attention structure on you. Okay, changing subjects here. Let's talk about reading people because 
Who here has a business partner or a key employee? Somebody where if there were the wrong person would affect your income. Could be your wife or husband either also. Okay. It should be everybody. I'm a little concerned not everybody does that. <laughs> Basically, nobody gets rich alone. You can learn that from Mr. Bill Gates. He said he never does anything alone, and he made basically the most money of any one of our time. So, dark triad. You introduced me to that. That's his psychology test. Who here has taken their dark triad score uh, test? I have it on my website. Okay. So, it measures three factors. Everybody here, who's becoming good at reading people around dark triad? Okay, good. So, it tests for narcissism. Machiavellianism and some whether someone's psychotic. Yes, psychopathy. Psychopathy, yeah. thank you. So I have found it to be probably the most powerful thing on earth. In fact, if I was 18 years old again, and I was sitting, how old are you, uh, Arm? 12, you are lucky because if you listen to this, you will have a better life than every single person here that doesn't know this. Basically, this test, it's not always accurate. But when it's a bad score, it's always accurate. So there's no, I won't get into explaining what that means. But once in a while, people lie. So far this year, two people out of thousands I've tested have tricked the system. But people don't really trick it. It's designed correctly. Now, let's, does anybody have their dark triad score that we can analyze? Do you remember what it is? Okay, Noah, what was it? Let's pull it up. So you'll get three scores between one and a hundred. And by the way, this is like golf. You do not want a high score. But it's designed so that people go, ooh, I got a good score. And I got a hundred, Ty. I'm like, ah, <laughs> gotcha. Um, I actually changed, you know, I changed it on my side. I don't call it narcissism. I call it confidence ego factor. Mm. And Machiavellian, I call it uh, cunning sneakiness factor. Mm. And, and um, for psychotic, I think I call it like uh, courage something factor. Because someone who's psychotic usually has high courage. I did the Axicol one you mentioned. Yes. Also taught by what? What's yours? We're going to analyze you with the master, Dr. Buss, here. Okay. Okay. It was 37 for narcissism. 47 for Machiavellianism, and 7 for psychopathy. Okay, so this was 37, 47? 7. 7. All right, I'm going to throw this out, and then I'm going to let you finish up. Were you bullied at all growing up? Okay, I can always tell. Bullying is a massive predictor of psychological problem. Anybody here who has kids being bullied in school, pull them out of school and homeschool them. I'm telling you, it will destroy your kids forever. Even a short... How many years were you bullied for? Uh, From... Second grade to just about last year. Second grade to last year. It's a nightmare. What's the highest? You took the test multiple times. What's the highest you ever got in Machiavellianism? 68. Yeah, 68. So basically, we've talked about this. This is where I did the cutoff, but you can add in. Over 60 is like clinical problems. Like even below 60 is clinical problems. The good news is, okay, so what do you think of this score? Out of 100... Narcissism's in the 30s. Seems uh, like he's not going to fuck you over. <laughs> right. <laughs> given, given that low psychopathy score. So explain for people what Machiavelli... How do you see Machiavellianism? Machiavellianism is basically people who pursue an interpersonally exploitative strategy. Okay. I see that as the core of Machiavellianism. Yes. Everybody, quote, uses other people in various ways, but 
the high Mac person basically views other people solely as means to achieve their goals. Yes. Uh, and so doesn't value them intrinsically or doesn't value them as friends. They will be fair-weather friends. Who here has ever had one of those people in their life? That basically mm. you were means to end and once you stop. This, when I ask this to a crowd, the whole crowd, like if you ask any business question, people, half the people raise their hand. Who has a business partner? Uh, who has been screwed over by somebody? Uh, right. like people right. want it to be known. They were screwed right. over. Okay. Narcissism. This is a complicated. People think it just means looking in the mirror and thinking you're pretty. But what? How do you see narcissism? Well, I see uh, there are a couple different uh, elements of narcissism. One is a sense of entitlement. Okay, and this shows up in things like basically high scores in narcissism feel like they deserve a larger share of the pie. They deserve the better thing. You know, when there is a you know a resource that, let's say we're going to split, narcissists feels they deserve because who they feel like they deserve 70% and you get 30%. Who's ever been around a person like that that <clears throat> thought, okay, hands are flying on this one. I now know how to get hands up for people who are falling asleep. Yeah, so let me just add yeah. one more thing on this. Uh, is uh, There's a, a really interesting concept that uh, was developed by uh, John Tooby and Lita Cosman, these two evolutionary psychologists at UC Santa Barbara, uh, and uh, it's called uh, welfare trade-off ratio. And basically what that means is how much does this person value you relative to how much they value themselves? And so n- high narcissists have what I call a selfishly skewed welfare trade-off ratio. That is, they don't, if we're in a friendship, high narcissists, they don't, they don't value your welfare nearly as much as their own. So if you're and moving so, and you say, can you come over Saturday morning and help me move? They'll be like, ah, I don't know. But when they ask you and you don't answer, right. who here has ever been with somebody that's not fair? That, that's the core of it. I have the yeah. bet. Listen to this story. <clears throat> True story. I've told this before. Being really good looking, I find when I test people who are really good looking, I'm not saying I'm good looking. I'm saying when I test people who are good looking, <laughs> that didn't sound right. Uh, I'm not really good looking. But um, when I test people who are really good looking, they, I find more narcissism and so there was a girl that once lived with me in Los Angeles here. I used to live on Sunset Boulevard. And she's probably one of the prettiest girls, I don't know, in the world. But by people's re- it was actually a nightmare to be with her. If you went to a club, it was like dudes would follow you home. Pro basketball, it was a nightmare. She's Brazilian, really pretty. So Dr. Fresco, my business partner, knew her. One time we were going to a big party. He had bought a new camera, like a $10,000 camera, and I had a pool similar to this. We're walking in, and she was just being funny, and she pushed him into the pool with a suit on on the way to a party. And he held it up, and he played along nicely. He was like, ha, 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 you got me, right? And he went up and changed, and we went to the party. The next day, she was sunbathing, like in a bikini, uh, on a chair, just, we're not going anywhere on the pool. He runs up behind her flips the chair, and she falls in the pool. And she flipped out like you've never seen a human flip out. She did not talk to him for two years. And I said to her, I said, wait, you pushed him in with the suit. He didn't get mad. You thought it was funny. He pushed you in a bikini. And she, here's the thing. You ever been with somebody, they can't see your side of the story? She couldn't. It was like, she was like, yeah, but I, but, but I just done my hair. And he was like, but he was wearing a suit. And she's like, yeah, but, but my, I didn't want to go in the pool. It was, 
And I actually read, I read an article that narcissists have less gray matter in certain parts of their brain. They, there's something wrong. She couldn't, it was like, uh, I finally just gave up talking to her. Yeah, she didn't talk to him for two years. So if you're dealing with somebody that you present an obvious thing, like, hey, like, I did all the work in the business, so I think I should have 50%. You'll get some business partners, no, it's my idea, so I get 90. You're like, but I did all the work. You do the idea, I do the work. Eh, see it? No, 90. Right, and they're, just, they're more likely to do that than average, but, I mean, this occurs, there, there is a, a self-serving bias in causal attributions for work done. And this reminds me, there was a study done, it was done at Stanford, where they would have like, let's say you have three co-authors on a paper, and you ask people, uh, what percentage uh, were you responsible for? And you add up the numbers, they add up to 240%. Um, <laughs> so, so one person's 90%. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 and they explained it by, well, you know, uh, I see the work that I do. I remember all the hours that I sit up late. Whereas I'm not. I don't see the work that you do. Yes. You know. And so they attribute it as a kind of um, you know an availability heuristic kind yes. of explanation. But I think there's more to it than that. But what they didn't do is is have narcissism as a variable in their study. Yes. Because I'll bet you the narcissist would be ratcheting up those numbers. The reason I'm <clears> having <throat> this talk is some <clears throat> of you are going to figure out how to make a million dollars, and somebody's going to take it from you. I already had one of my students who made netted, I don't know, he, he, had an, he went from zero in his bank account to netting three or 400,000 bucks in the last 12 months. And he invested in just people that were ripping him off. Somebody's like, dude, you should do this business idea. And he's like, I wired the money. And I, I, I talked to him the day after. I'm like, wait, you wired the money? Because you can't get a wire back very easily. And I'm like, you just lost your money. So I realized that... I've been working on building programs to help people increase their income, and it's working. People are increasing their income, and then I'm forgetting to share this side of the story, which is the people thing. All your problems in life will come from people. It, getting cancer is a nightmare. I've never had that, so I don't want to underplay that, but if you look at the pain people feel in the world, not everybody gets cancer, but almost everybody gets screwed over. And so what I was saying to you, Armand, if you can, I use this quiz and you can almost drop it by 90% how often you're getting screwed over in dating, marriage. I had someone here at a conference and I did this. Boy, some of the people that people are married to, I am like, they're, I can, what's that, um, Zach, what's that Mr. T thing where he's boxing and he goes, can you predict what's going to happen in the fight tomorrow? I think it's Rocky. And he goes, I predict pain. That's what I wanted to say. This person's like, here's my spouse's dark triad. I'm like, I predict pain for your life for a long time. So you, practical tip. Here's a practical tip for you. If you have a business partner, send them to tylopez.com slash quiz. Let's try a little experiment. Right now, everybody text somebody they know. I'm going to give you the exact words that will make them write you back. So we'll do it together. Pull out your phone. It can be a business partner. It can be a spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend. And I'm going to take some of these, and I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. Okay. So text them this. Hey, what do you get on this quiz I took? Now, hopefully you took it. If you haven't, you'll take it. Hey, what do you get on this quiz I took, period? Write this. I've perfected the message that actually gets 99% of people to write you back. Okay. 
Everybody got that? Hey, what do you get on this quiz I took? Don't say test. No one wants to take a test, but quiz is like, ah, oh, quizzes are fun. You need her to take it because people who have psychology degrees oftentimes are the kookiest of all. Okay, period. The second sentence is screenshot it, ha-ha. That way they know to send it. Some people will take it and forget to send it to you. By putting ha-ha, it makes it feel like you're not grilling them. So second sentence, screenshot it, ha-ha, period. And then third, tylopez.com slash quiz. Now, I warn you, anybody who won't take it or writes back super suspicious, you don't even need them to take it. They failed. Because, and I want to talk about this next, because this is super important. Everybody have that? We're going to talk about the next subject. Somebody, people love to take personality quizzes. It's not that hard. Guys, before you go on any Tinder date, <laughs> and women, send this to people. If they won't take it, if they write back, I ain't taking this, yeah, it, you'll know. But most people will take it, 80%. So what, who, who sent off that text? Because I want to have a few funny ones. Okay. Let's talk about a trait in Hexaco. This is a different quiz called agreeableness, which breaks down into four factors. And when you're looking for employee, who here thinks they need an assistant, need to hire people or business partners? You want to understand this trait. It's not the only trait. There's also one called conscientiousness, but I want to talk first on agreeableness. So it breaks down in Hexaco in four sub-factors. So it is flexibility, patience, gentleness, and forgiveness. And I prime, so me and, where is Alex Mayer? Alex? He's right here. So Alex and I hire slightly different. If you go up to San Francisco where our office is for a mentor box that we own together, he hires primarily for brains and aggression, okay? And sometimes when you meet our employees up Metrobox, you will know what I'm talking about right away. It'll be like, how are you doing? <laughs> Why are you here at our office? I hire primarily for this trait, agreeableness. So if you meet most of the people who work for me, people will comment, wow, you have nice people working for you. Now, Alex is convinced you make more money hiring aggressive, mean, not mean, but aggressive, smart people. I still hire smart people, um, but I'd rather have a good life than try to eke and pull out the maximum amount of money in my life. I'm telling you, going for the maximum amount of your money in your life, in my experience, will decrease the quality of your life. And what good is money if you don't like life, right? So if you're interested in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and wanna learn how to make money with Bitcoin, I'm opening up a brand new Bitcoin crypto academy for you. Crypto is starting to fundamentally change everything from currencies to the very structure behind the internet. And if you don't understand it, you will be left behind. Remember, if you had put $100 into Bitcoin in 2010, you would have over $100 million right now. I don't want you to miss out on the coming opportunities offered by Bitcoin in the cryptocurrency space. So I brought in the best experts in the game, the people that are teaching me and training me, and I'm gonna share that with you because it's not too late to understand Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and the blockchain and to make money with it. So to sign up for my new Bitcoin Crypto Academy and learn how to invest, how to make money in this new exciting space, I'm gonna open up room for a few of you to have early access to the new online mentor mastermind. So go to tylopez.com slash Bitcoin podcast to learn more. So I'm testing the mastermind. So I'm just gonna let a few of you in at a low price and uh, it's already filling up quickly. So if you wanna get in, 
I'll let a few of you in. So go to tylopez.com slash Bitcoin podcast, all one word, tylopez.com slash Bitcoin podcast. If the course is closed, when you get to the page, put in your name in the waiting list. You missed out on the first round. Uh, and if you see it, welcome to the group. Glad you didn't procrastinate. Okay, back to the show. So let's talk about agreeableness. Let's go through these factors and how important when you're hiring and when you're looking for a business par- partner. And by the way, when you send the quiz off and say, would you take this? And they say no, what does it automatically tell you about their agreeableness? Low on flexibility. Low. There's another trait called openness to new experience, which is a predictor of intelligence. So people won't take... If you send somebody a quiz, my first reaction is, hell yeah, I want to check it out, right? But a lot... Of, so. All, I, I did a tweet on this. Let people be who they are. Let them speak to you. When you meet people, if you go on a Tinder date, observe everything. If you're in a business, if they come and they're grump, I had a situation where a guy wanted me to invest in his business. I met the guy and he was in a bad mood uh, because he wanted to talk to me for like two hours, which I never agreed to. And I only wanted to talk for like five minutes. He, wanted, he thought I was looking for the pitch. Oh, Ty, here's the business. I was watching him as a human, not judging him either, letting him speak to me in not-so-subtle language without saying words. Nobody's going to go, hey, I'm an impatient jerk. That's not agreeable. Nobody's going to say that, but they'll show it to you. And last little example of this, one of my uh, employees a long time ago, he moved from North Carolina. He was married for 20 years. They got divorced, friendly divorce, moves to uh, to California. He tells me, Ty, I... I want to find love again. He had been separated for about a year. I said, go on Match.com. He's about 40 years old. So he went on Match.com. Next week, he comes. I'm at the office talking to him. I said, how's it going? He goes, horrible. I go, why? He goes, I met the girl of my dreams on Match.com, and I ruined it. I said, tell me this story. He said, she was everything I wanted. She was smart. She was a doctor. She was around my age. She was attractive, all this. So I set up a date with her at Santa Monica Promenade. If you guys know where that is, it's like an open mall area. And we met at Starbucks. So I go to the Starbucks. I'm sitting there. We met at 5. It was 5.05. She's not there. 5.10. Finally, I get a text, an angry text. Where are you? I'm waiting at the Starbucks. He goes, I'm at the Starbucks. Turns out we live in a world where there's two Starbucks within, you know, 500 yards of each other. He's at one. She's at the other. So he comes across the mall running, oh, worried. I, that's where he made the mistake. I would have been like, anyway, he runs across the Starbucks, sits down with her, and she's in a bad mood the whole time. And she goes, I don't think you know who I am. I'm a doctor. I like people who respect my time, da, da, da. And he goes, I ruined it. I said, ruined it? She revealed who she was. Would you rather... Everything goes smooth on the first date and you find that out after you're married or in a long-term relationship, let people be a-holes quickly as possible. And so, believe it or not, the next girl he met after that was a nicer person and they are married now. It took him two dates. Had he spent time wasting with this one woman who wasn't a good match for him, low on agreeableness, he would have missed out on the girl of his dreams. Now they're, I think they're married now. So, what, do you, what has science shown about this agreeableness trait? Well, actually, I mean, if, in any kind of interpersonal interaction, yeah, it's going to be a good quality. For a worker, 
I actually would pick high conscientiousness. Yes. I think that's actually empirically the best predictor of work performance. Yes. So someone who is responsible, dependable, goal-driven, likes to complete tasks. Yes. Organized, uh, I think. Organized and ambitious. So responsible combined with that drive. Empirically, aside from intelligence, conscientiousness is the single best predictor of work performance. Yes. So, but agreeableness is the glue that holds it together, and conscientiousness is the drive that pushes the business forward. And that's what I was saying. Alex, yeah. just as conscientiousness, which I think the four is, yeah. uh, is diligence, prudence, organization, and perfectionism is the hexaco version. version. It, yeah. And if you can get high C's and high A's, this is what will change your life. Because I've been around... So some of the people no. I've tested score off the charts on C, and then their dark triad score is a disaster. Who here got a text back from their somebody? Did anybody get a text back with high numbers on any of the three? Over 60. She's scared to take it. That's not as bad of a sign because, okay, Austin, what are the three numbers? You, know, you can just read them out. I don't want to embarrass anyone. This is one of my programmers. One of your programmers. Yeah. 7897. Oh, listen to me. No, no, no. I'm going to read you this book, which you told me about. Everybody write down this book. Practical tip number whatever we're on. In the next month, read this book. It's called The H Factor of Personality. It's by the person. He he developed the hexacode test. So let me read you my favorite part of the H Factor of Personality, and I'll give you the scientific answer. It's by a guy named... Kibium Lee, Lee, H, trust me, read this book. It's insane. It defines basically every person you've ever met, and it lays out why they are like they are. So here is, listen to this. This is his advice to you. What should you do when you realize that somebody is probably very low in H? H, by the way, is bad dark triad score, low in H. First of all, don't get carried away. It's probably not a good idea to proclaim your diagnosis to others. When people text me, about, when I'm going to meet somebody and I'm like, yo, what do you get on this dark track? I don't call it dark track, on this quiz. They send it back. I will write back, oh, interesting. Or, oh, let's meet up maybe another week. And then I put them in my phone, B-L-O-C-K, block in all capitals. <laughs> and I never reply. So that's what he says. So don't, don't tell this guy oh, no. you're a disaster. Okay, it's definitely not a good idea to undertake any vigilante-style action against this. I don't know what he's saying. Do not shoot him. Okay. But the best advice is to simply limit your interaction with people like this. Don't choose them as romantic partners. Don't choose them as business partners. Don't even choose them as tennis partners or a bread partner. Just stay away. So what you have to do, I had a guy, I had programmers, or half of them are kooky. I had this guy. I told you about this dude. He scored... Mm. 100% 100% on psycho. And he even told me, he's like, I'm totally psycho. And the first time I met him, I'm like, hey, we're going to go to a Laker game. You want to go? He's like, I don't like sports. I'm like, you don't like basketball? No. And he talked, he doesn't blink. He was like, no. <laughs> and you ever met someone doesn't blink, just stare? It was like weird. And then he finally goes at the end, I go, um, what do you like? He goes, I like fencing. I watch fencing. And I was, it was right there in my, I'll never forget. But I had him take this test. So he came to me one day and was like, you know what, Ty? I have bad and sad news. I'm like, oh, no, he hacked my whole system. He's like, and he wants blackmail money. He goes, um, 
I got offered a, a job by someone, other company, and they're going to pay me a lot more. But I, I like working for you, but I really need the money. Inside, I'm like, da-da-da-da-da, I'm so happy. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, okay, well, it's been great having you here. Because I didn't want to fire him. I was afraid to fire him. So your best thing would somehow send his resume to your competitor, whose company you want to destroy, and be like, I'm a headhunter, and this guy is amazing. No, I don't know about doing that. but no, no. That, would be, that would be a high Mac. That would be a high Mac million. <laughs> Does, let me ask you, in your heart of heart, gut of guts, intuition, is he completely normal? No. Okay, what, before you heard any of this, what does he strike you as? He's freaking manipulative as hell. He just, he's like, he tries to... So his words were freaking manipulative as hell. Yes. Okay, what's your score? <laughs> Who believes in the law of attraction, the secret book? One of the, oh, thank you for the microphone. One of the so things that I like in that in. book, it says, as without, uh, as within, so without. And even the H-factor personality says, people tend to attract people of same, similar H-scores. So one of the best things we can all do, instead of criticizing others, is fix ourselves, lower our narcissism, Machiavellianism, and then you start bringing better people into your life. But until then, what? what 30, 38, 41, and a 5. So it's like... 41, I'm, though, on Machiavellian is, is high enough. It's okay. high enough that it's, it's too high, in my experience. 41s, I start, to, I start noticing people... Are, were you ever bullied? Yeah, a lot. Because yeah. I always put myself out on the stage. It's crazy. And, I have no, I don't yeah. know if you've, it's And, like, crazy. always had my own ideas. Always, I was an actor and everything in high school, and yep. everyone was like, oh, bye-bye. you know what I mean? So yeah. it was just like I was sort of that... Yeah, so that you have status. to basically think of it this way. Who here has ever dated someone, married someone, and when you first met him, you're like, there's just something I loved about this person, and they turned out to be horrible later. That's you seeing yourself in them. You're like, you know, there's something about you I like, my friend. And so I really think the solution is sometimes you have to learn to go against your gut. Your gut is not always correct because our gut's been traumatized growing up. Right, and and some people who are high on things like MAC and uh, narcissism especially if they're intelligent, they can be extremely charming. Yes. Uh, and so you wouldn't necessarily know right away yes. uh, that uh, you know, the, the charm will fade away once they start to get their claws in you and manipulate you and get access to your bank account and everything like that. But, uh, but they can be very charming. That's why yeah. uh, su- success, there's the successful psychopath. Yeah. Um, Adolf Hitler <clears throat> charmed a nation. Stalin, Putin, these guys are charismatic, maybe not Putin as much, but, you know, they're charismatic people. Mao Zedong. Have you ever read the biography of Mao Zedong? I haven't, no. Mao Zedong Mm. killed more people. Hitler killed four to six million. Mao Zedong killed 50 to 100 million of his own people. And he is the most, if you read his biography, I've never read more narcissism into the, it's insane. But he was charismatic and people followed him to death. So let me, anybody else have, let's do a few more before we wrap up here. Any other, okay. High numbers of somebody close to you? 9171. Angelica, that's a good sign. So I would say they passed test number one. Is she, she, uh, is she or he? It's a she. 
Yeah, because uh, you might mention that women tend to score lower, on, especially on psychopathy. Yes. There's huge sex difference on that one. Men are L- almost all the psychopaths. No. Almost never. No. I've ne- I, I, I tell this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only person I've ever seen female, I was on the basketball court, a friend of a friend. She got 95, and I was like, ha-ha, you killed somebody. And an hour later, she, she said, I'm the first person she ever admitted she killed somebody. She was, she's from Chicago. Someone bullied her growing up, and she hit her behind the head with a pipe and killed her. And she's like, you know, you're the first person to ever know that about me. I'm like, she's in my mm. phone right now. Guess what's in front of her name? Block. <laughs> Even though, now let me just say, sometimes people say, isn't this cruel, Ty? Like, shouldn't we help the people who are in need? Yeah, but I'm not a psychiatrist. So if I meet somebody who has heart problems, you should, yes, they need to get help, but it's not, I'm not going to. Go, well, got my Swiss Army knife. Let me just chunk into you and cut. So don't try to fix people unless you've spent your life studying how to fix well, people. Well, even then, with high, uh, high psychopathy scores, they're impermeable to being fixed. Yes. Um, I mean, they, they lack, uh, one of the hallmarks is a lack of empathy. Yes. And you can't fix that. It's a, it's a, it's a, a brain setting that's basically on zero on empathy. And so you can't, they, they can game the system. So someone, when they get caught doing criminal actions, they can fool the psychiatrists. Uh, but um, you can't fix them. Yes. Women, this is for you. It's <clears throat> men who are psychopaths. Ever dated a guy who has no emotions or emotionally very unavailable? That. Now, this score that you got is a good sign. The best girl I ever dated in my life, the nicest human. She got three zero zero. You ever meet a girl or with three zero zero guys? You and she's pretty and she's smart. You have a good one. Okay, who else has a crazy score that they got back texted back to them that they're willing to share? I see hands. Okay, yeah. You know? How are they related to you? Romantic or or business? Oh, that was mine. Uh, oh, that was yours? <laughs> yeah. 48, what was it? 46. That's not horrific. By the way, let's talk about practical tip. Write this down. Entrepreneurs, unfortunately, are generally horrible people. Seriously, of all the people that I test, by far the worst are strippers. I have no idea why. Um, I've, I've, there's a lot of strippers in Los Angeles that I don't even know they're strippers, and they tell me later. I've only seen one stripper ever get a normal score out of, let's say, 100. They get the worst. So by occupations, the worst I've ever seen, actors and actresses, kukuluku, um, <laughs> high probability, models, male or female, uh, and, but entrepreneurs, man. Oh, write this practical tip down. I've never even told you this. Who here has ever texted someone? They text you back, you're busy, and you don't write them, and they send you three question marks. Okay, I promise you, they are horrible on dark triad. That is it's literally, when people insist, like, why aren't right, you right. answering that's that me? sense of entitlement. That's narcissism. I'm telling no. you, switch them to block. Because I've tested 1,000 people that send question mark. They all, not once, do they score normal. So what you got to do, listen to me, you, to make money, you have to master skills that most people don't have. So you can make, you've been, who here has been learning some stuff about e-commerce, Facebook, ads, all that? That's good. You must have that. But that's not going to differentiate you because how many people are using Facebook ads in the world right now? So I call that a minimum required skill. So if you don't have it, you're not going to make any money. But that alone won't be enough. 
It's kind of like if you're competing like Arnold Schwarzenegger for Mr. Olympia. Going to the gym and working out is a must. But just because you go to the gym doesn't automatically make you Mr. Olympia. You have to do above and beyond things. Does that make sense? So what I'm talking to you, because sometimes when I have this talk, people are like, what does this have to do with business? I'm like, this is business. Because at the end of the day, some people think I'm good at marketing, right? That's probably the number. When I meet entrepreneurs, even if they don't like me, they'll be like, all right, I don't like you because you flash cars. But you are good at marketing. So why do you think I'm good at marketing? What is marketing? People. People. I know how to make a video or an ad. Even when I made the, the video here in my garage, I knew what I was doing. See, it looks like it's just me randomly going, you know, hey, I'm here in my garage. But it touches on about 25 psychological strategies all in one four-minute video. And it's probably been viewed by at least 200 million people. It's probably the most viewed non-music video I did a few variations. Those probably had six to 800 million impressions. People watched them at some point and watched them for a while, didn't just skip them. So it's important that you master everything. That's why I said you got to read this book, all of these. If you become in love with understanding people and you realize that people fall into patterns, you don't want to pigeonhole. I will say this. How we judge people is usually wrong. So who here has ever judged somebody and turned out to be wrong about them? So there's some things, a lot of tattoos is highly correlated with psychological problems, but oftentimes I've seen people with tattoos that are more normal than people without. So it, if somebody has a face tattoo, trust me, it's an increased odds that they have mental problems, but it's not a guarantee, okay? So you can't, what I look for, you're like Sherlock Holmes. If I meet somebody who has a face tattoo, my gut is, Okay, I need to watch this person a little more than normal, but they might just be just as normal. They might have got that at a time in their life. They might be from Samoa, where people get face tattoos, and it's completely normal. You see what I'm saying? So the way that we judge people, I find to be very inaccurate, and the things that are very predictive, like three question marks, no one talks about it. Who here has ever heard anybody in the I promise you, test everyone who sent you Two commas, I mean, question marks when you didn't reply back to them. They are not almost always bad people. What did you, <laughs> you said somebody just sent you three question marks back? What did you send them? The quiz? You sent me an angry picture of them at the gym, and they said, quiz, three question marks. And I said, take it. Wait, wait, give her, we need a mic here. Hold on, you got to repeat this. This is interesting. Because, by the way, some of you doing high-end products, you're going to have to decide. I have people who want to invest in my business. I'll tell you a story about that where this, okay. Tell so, your, so this is my business partner. Um, oh, no. I said, this is your hey, business partner? Yeah. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, hey, you know, what you asked me to tell him. Put a little closer to your mouth. Um, yes. Hey, would you take the quiz that I took and then I put your link? Yeah. He sent me back an angry um, gym picture. No, 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 a picture of himself okay. with um, his muscles. And he said, quiz, three question marks. And I said, take it. He said, take it. What? With three question marks again. Agreeableness, probably very. So let me just ask you. I don't want to judge anybody because I never met this person. Okay. I asked Austin the same question. You're heart of heart, gut of guts. What's this person like? No emotion. Doesn't really just kind of. Nicest person you ever met? Nice, yeah. 
a lot Wait, of sarcasm. Nicest person you ever met. Nicest you say person. No emotion. No emotion. But I they're mean, the nicest person. No, 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 no. Who have you been meeting? I got to meet some people. Um, Why no, not the meet? nicest person I met, but nice. I you mean, trust them in your gut of guts. No. How long have you been business partners? Twelve years. Why, after twelve years, do you not trust them? I I didn't trust them even ten years ago. It's just that it's hard to explain. <laughs> Does it affect your happiness and business? Absolutely. Better to be alone than when a, with a horrible person. I can tell you that. So you, I, my advice to you, without wanting to get overly in your situation, build a system and a plan to slowly get out. Seriously. Let me ask you this. Very important. Thank you for being candid. How often do people change? Uh, rarely. <laughs> yeah. Can people change? Yeah, 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 yes. It, change is possible, um, but I think it's more of the tweaking variety than of the core characteristics. So studies of personality characteristics show high levels of stability over time. Uh, some things get a little better with age, so people get a little bit less uh, neurotic with yeah. age. They get a little bit more responsible, a little more conscientious. But in terms of fundamental characteristics, you can tweak them a bit, but the core characteristics are not going to change. Yeah.